0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the salt light in the city where you're seeing, you're loved, and you're heard. Certainly has been quite a while since I last said that I wouldn't be returning again and that we'd, you know, get back on a tidy schedule. And you know what? It it didn't exactly happen that way. And by God's plan, I, I mean, I trust that it was God's plan and that this is the way things were supposed to go. But I think all of us are sort of in that same boat in our lives, whether we think we got to figure it out or not. But without further ado, let's enter into prayer. So we ask for the inter- intercession of St. Paul and St. Stephen today. St. Paul, I ask you shine your light upon us. Help us to see through our closed eyes. Enlighten us with your words and help us keep them close to our heart. Lead us to our strength, which is him. Whenever we feel weak, Because his power is made perfect in weakness. We ask all this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. St. Paul, pray for us. St. Stephen, pray for us. So, picking up where I left off a number of months ago was with a series that I started called The Journey. Now, it's, again, not a new idea, not a new series, not like, People have talked about it, gone over it, and like it's basically it envelops like the life of a Christian and and everything that that really means and stands for, right? um And so just to give you where I'm at in this journey right now, uh, twenty twenty three is coming to a close rather rather quickly, um, and it ends on a. Bittersweet note, I guess, because Christmas was I, I really had a great time with my family and with Ali, of course. And, you know, with being around there with friends and gifts and just a just Christmas spirit. Um, and it was it was amazing. But now I am coming down with the flu, I guess. Uh, I haven't yet gone to the doctor to get it checked, but it probably is a flu. You know, all good things come at a price ish but nonetheless I was just I was just itchy to get a uh, an episode out. I've been wanting to do so for a while and you know it it's it's taken a long point to get to where we're at now as again twenty twenty three comes to a close. My my hope with this is that I can try and you know upload an episode every every day of Christmas honestly. I don't know how I could forget to say this, but Merry Christmas, man. Merry Christ- Christmas to your families, to, to yourself, to your friends, uh, all those you love, your dog, your cat, your pet, whatever you have. Merry Christmas. You know, the king of the universe has come to be one of us, taking on the flesh of humanity to know what it is to be a human. Right? You would think, well, who would know? Like... Of course, the God of everything would know what it's like to be human. But he did so in a way that he might be able to relate even more to us. To take away the distance that was set between him and his chosen people. And he made it clear that it wasn't just his chosen people, but everyone who was willing to listen to him. Everyone who was willing to take on his word, he would be there with love for them. Now, to, go, uh, to get into what our topic for today is, it has to do with what God has in store for us, right? And if you've been to keynotes, if you've been to Catholic conventions, and you know this thing is talked about all the time, it's just, you know, you, don't, you, don't, you never know what God has in store for you, you don't know, and like, I don't know if you're like me, but personally I, I low key like hate that. Like and hate's a strong word. Yeah, I know. And I'm using it on purpose because it's it's rough. You, I mean, you don't know what's next. You don't know what your next day is going to look like. And let alone you start bringing it to, oh, what's next year going to look like? What's, you know, what's the next five years going to look like? When people ask you, like, oh, what do you want to do for your job? Or what do you, what do you, where do you picture yourself in the next 10, whatever years? And like, okay, whatever you picture, go get that. Sure. But <laughs> in, the debar- in the department of, of Christian, of Christian life, of Catholicism, of you know, in in our world, that just doesn't necessarily happen. It just doesn't, right? And Father Mike Schmidt talked about this recently in the fourth Sunday. Fourth Sunday of Ad- Advent homily. That is, It was church tradition that Mary was planning, church tradition, like early church tradition, I'm saying, right? That Mary actually planned to stay childless because she was going to keep her virginity to God, right? And that her and Joseph were to, to like, not have sex, basically, and have no children. <coughs> Excuse me. But even with her plans that she made, God came in and said, no, I know you plan to not have a child, but this is my plan. And what was Mary's response? Well, the perfect response, the example of a response that we are to follow as Christians that is let it be done to me according to your word. Her fiat, her the strength of what that meant to bring Christ into the world. And you have to think that that, that takes a lot of trust. takes a lot of faith. Especially being 14 years old, not, not knowing what may come next. Not knowing what that might mean for your life, for your family. And that leads us to the verse of today, well known, we all love it, Jeremiah 29, 11, but we're going to go Jeremiah 29, 11 to 14 to read the whole passage to kind of give us an overview of what it's saying. For I know well the plans I have in mind for you, plans for your welfare and not for woe, so as to give you a future of hope. When you call me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. When you look for me, you will find me. Yes, when you seek me with all your heart, I will let you find me. And I will change your lot. We, as Christians, love this promise from God. Of what this means for us. Because we don't know exactly what that means. But we know that what God promises is good. And that's the div- obviously the divine providence of God. And we know that with faith there, there's a deep sense of trust like Mary had. That if we say yes... Something will be granted us that is so beyond what we could ever imagine or ever come up with on our own. And when you look at the context of what this is being said in, this is from the prophet, obviously, Jeremiah. If you know the story of Jeremiah, this man was on a mission. He was on a mission. And you know what? None of them were successful. Literally, almost none of them were successful. This man was like talking to a wall right like if you have like little siblings or like a friend uh, you know like and you're just trying to get them to understand you're just trying to get a message across and it just it just doesn't work like they're not hearing you they do the exact opposite of whatever you're telling them to do like whatever it might be like it just doesn't work like that that's this guy jeremiah that's our boy jeremiah and he had a perseverance that was just beyond, like beyond measure. And this is specifically the passage, let, the, the letter to the exiles in Babylon. Because, you know, this is the, the Babylonian exile is at the time of this, um, at the time of Jeremiah's book. And Jeremiah is serving as the, the wadi, the, the mouthpiece, to the, to the Israelites. And this is one of the things that the Lord promises the Israelites is that even though they're not home, he will bring them back eventually, that he knows what he's doing. Basically, that that he knows what he's doing. And obviously, the exiles, they don't know what they're doing. And that's something that, you know, throughout the whole book of Jeremiah, there's something that they find very difficult to pick up on cuz they're not they're not where they were promised which is funny because when they were where God promised them to be they complained a lot and they almost said that it was well not that they complained but on their way to the promised land on their way to where they were supposed to be they complained even though they were free people they complained and said it was better for them to be enslaved because at least they ate things other than manna and woe to them because like God gave them bread from heaven like I came down like like, like we've never seen I don't know you know what that's their own thing that's why it's called the Old Testament and obviously we love them they're our ancestors we honor them but still, when you look at this verse and you relay that verse to what I was just talking about, they didn't know on their way to the promised land in the 40 years journey, they didn't know what God had planned for them. In fact, they didn't understand how to keep their eyes set on what God had promised them yet. And how much more does that relate to us? How can we truly hear these words? For I know well the plans I have in mind for you. Plans for your welfare and not for woe, so as to give you a future of hope. How often do we hear those words and keep our eyes on that? Is that not what Christ came for? John 15, 11, I've told you this so that you might, so that my joy might be in you and your joy might be complete. Is that not what he comes for? to redeem us. So in that way, we can once again go back to the place where we belong. That's the whole idea of what this series is about, of what it means for us to be on a journey. We're in a present time when it's hard to to, to navigate everything that's being thrown at us. The world is telling us a thousand different things all from a small screen. Like, how, how is that even possible? How is it possible that so many of us are being thrown off the tracks away from rationality? It's just so mind-boggling to me. And, you know, i might a be sitting here talking about these things and you could probably point out, oh, look, you're on your high chair. Well, I'm not on my high chair necessarily as much as I am just on a chair. (laughs) But thinking and wondering and immersing myself into the realities around me. And the sad part is that there are millions who aren't receptive to the reality around them. And, you know, again, one's like, oh, you're on your high horse. No, it's been like this for years and years and years and years. And I'm not the only person to say that. I'm confident I'm not the only person that will ever say that. I'm also confident I'm not the last person to say that. Because there is a real journey that we've been set out to undertake. And the best part about it is that it's unique to us. It's branded with our name written by God. You know, when you look at the story of the Tower of Babel, right? And if you give me a second to turn back to the tower, that's Genesis, I believe, 4. I'm going to get there. No. Tower of Babel, is that 12? 11, close. 4 wasn't close. I was like, 4, 3, 12? No, 11, Tower of Babel. What did they say? Then they said, this is verse 4, Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the sky. And so make a name for ourselves. Otherwise we shall be scattered all over the earth. Now if you know your Bible, you've read it, especially you, you dears listening who've been through under the Bible, then you know that a city in the ancient times, at least in the biblical times of Genesis, a city wasn't necessarily a good thing. Neither was a tower. And to put a tower in the sky is to reach the gods. And they said, let us make a name for ourselves. They want to be. Eternal. They want to be like gods. Well, ain't that just a prime example of pride? Ain't that just a prime example of us trying to take over our lives and try and shape and form it into what we want? This is what Immanuel Kant was saying about reality, that we need to take reality and conform it to our own image, more or less. That's not word for word, but more or less. And feel how you want about it. Argue me if you want about it. But that's just not the case. It's just not the case. Because we can't do that. We can't change reality of what's there. Yes, our choices will affect reality, but... As science says, nothing can be created nor destroyed, at least not by humans, but what if by someone else, by a God, by an uncaused cause, by someone who is outside space and time, who is not subject to matter alone, who was the start of everything. And think about the journey that the planet Earth alone has been through everything that has gone through, all the spectacles that it's seen, the wars that it's fought, the animals that have come forth from it, the waters that have flowed, the ice that has melted, the rain that has poured. And you look at the beauty of the world alone, you don't even need to talk about humans yet. And the the beauty of a single human being, of a single human organism. And the beauty of the world reveals that there is something to be had. That this just can't be for nothing. It just can't be. And that's what I'm really getting at. Especially here within this episode. Especially around this Christmas time. Is that there is an intentionality. There's an inherent intentionality to the Journey into the gifts into the life that we've been given by God and sure there is so much hanging up in the world we don't know what it would be like we don't know where it could lead us and that's why we look to our, conf- our confirmation saint. that's why we look to our saint today who was a counterpart of my confirmation saint counterpart of Saint Paul but Bef- well, he killed him. St. Stephen. This is a man who was so dedicated. One of the early, di- early disciples, possibly one of the 70. One of the early, early, early deacons of the church. First martyr, as you all know. Gave all his materials away to charity and charitable works. Preached. Preached, preached, preached about God and about Jesus. And, well, the, the higher Jews didn't like that. So they took him and put him in front of the Romans. Got him charged and, well, the Romans didn't have to do much. Because all it took was an uprising. And Paul looked on and approved of it. What a life. Like, understand, this, this is a possible, like 100% possible route. I'm not saying it's 100% certain, but 100% a possible pathway that your life might take for confessing the name of Christ. And when it comes down to it, no matter what stage you're at in the journey, the question you have to ask yourself the question that either keeps you going or stops you in your tracks hinges on this question. Am I willing to die for Christ? And maybe it's not the best phrased. So let me rephrase it in a way you might understand better. Are you willing to lay your life down for Christ? Are you willing to give up your life for Christ? Are you willing to put yourself aside, to put your desires aside, to put your wants aside for Christ? It's as simple as that. But I know that question isn't posed in the most simplest of ways. Because there's suffering in the world. There's confusion and chaos and original sin and concupiscence and all of these things in the world. And when you look at St. Stephen, you can think, you can wonder, okay, did he have it harder than we did? You know, on one side you would say, yes, oh, absolutely he had it harder than we did. But at the same time, another person can say, no, like the internet wasn't a thing. There was no technology around. So, you know, with all that's going on in the internet, no. Well, here's the thing: these are two different battles on two different fronts. And Saint Stephen serves as a model of no matter what, no matter what generation, no matter what time period, no matter what's going on in the world, around the world, around your 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 phone, your family community. Our goal as Christians is to be Christ-like, to be like Christ. Christ gave up his life for us. And if that's the case, we owe our life to him, at least, at least. And I know that's a heavy and a hard thing to take in. But St. Stephen, he was unapologetic in the way he lived his life. He was not concerned about what other people thought, about what they would say. And if anything, he completed that. That road of being Christ-like quicker than pretty much almost anyone. Because he died for the sake of Christ, just as Christ died for the sake of us. And when we look at this journey... When we look at the starting point, when we look at the genesis of our journey and our life with Christ, there are a million, a million other times that that question will be posed to you. Because when you first said yes to Christ, right? Right? When you first said yes to Christ, and whatever that may look like, whether you were like Allie and you converted and you were baptized and you said yes in baptism, whether you were baptized as a kid, later learned about Christ and his church and about what that meant for you in your life, and then you said yes. Whether you're debating whether or not you want to say yes, whether you're debating on how that might come about, the genesis of everybody's story, of everybody's journey, comes down to will you lay your life down for me? (coughs) But he doesn't always pose it that way. In fact, not only is that the genesis of everyone's story, that's also the definitive turning point of everybody's story. Because realize it begins with an invitation. That invitation is come follow me. Come follow me and I will give you rest. What does that mean? Now, that doesn't seem like the same question as, will you lay your life down for me? No, not at Lord. This isn't what I signed up for. This, is one, this isn't what, what does it cost? Every time I'm in adoration, and every time after I see, I receive the Eucharist, and I go to adoration, I look at the host, the Eucharist, when I leave and I'm on my knees and I'm bowing and looking at the monstrance Christ always asks me one question what does it cost? what does it cost? and he's not asking me what it costs on my end no he's asking me what it costs him what his love for us costs everything We're priceless, yet he's willing to pour everything, his best friends, his mom, despite the betrayal of Peter, to be the Holy Father, to lead us and to shepherd us, his body and blood, soul and divinity, his healing power, the power to forgive sins. I think a lot of us take that one for granted. What does it cost? Everything. I can't stress that enough. And he won. He won. He went all in on us. And it paid off. No, oh, it was God go figure. Yeah. That doesn't change the fact that he went all in and won. How big is that and for our journey when we begin to say yes because for, he, for, for God a yes is just a slight crack in the door just just barely an open space just just enough just enough for him to get through to shine a little bit of light because he knows once you see the light he will open it more and more and more and more but sometimes sometimes it's not always the case. And certainly, most of the time, it probably doesn't feel that that's the case. We're stuck. It feels like in this darkness. We can't escape it. It's just enveloping. It feels like something's holding us down, holding us back. And there's this deep voice that tells us that we can't do it but you know that talk about not doing it about you can't do it that you know that lie that's set ahead of you that's put in front of you that's trying to talk you down from being great No, well, it's not from god and the funny thing is is that that same voice of the accuser will try to tell you that he can make you great. That you could be great on your own. That he can do it. Because that's what he wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that God doesn't have the power to make you great. He wants you to believe that God doesn't, that God isn't great. He's not what he says he is. The liar points at the truthful person and calls him a liar. Because the liar knows that he is lying. And trust. The devil is an art with his words. He's, he's intelligent. He's smarter than you. He's smarter than me. He is. I mean, he's, a, he's an angel. He's an intelligence. He, that In his very nature, God loved him so much. He was super close with God. But in his pride, stain, he fell. But just because he fell, he still has his powers. He just doesn't have the capacity to love. But he would try to use everything that he can against you. Believe that he will. And don't think, don't think that every piece of suffering that you go through is of the devil. In fact, I personally would encourage that every piece of suffering that you go through is a blessing. I would encourage you to see it that way. Now, well, where am I getting that? Well, I'm getting that from Paul, from specifically my favorite verse, that says, Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and constraints for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Well, well again, we look at this verse, why would, why would Paul say something like that? Because in your weaknesses are you made stronger. Stronger. Like me right now, I'm sick, right? I'll be made strong again. You know what? I'll be made that much more stronger. This isn't the worst sickness I've dealt with. So my previous sicknesses have built me up to this point to be resilient, to be able to get up, to be able to do the things I need to do, hop on the mic, say some stuff, talk God, Because I know that's what he's calling me to do. And you know what? I'm happy with that. Because I've been been trying to do this for a long time, man. I've been been trying to get a podcast together. I've been trying to record. I've been trying to get my peers and my people to just open their eyes. Really, like, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. Like... I've been wanting to do this for a while. And things get in the way. It's just a fact. It's just what life is. You know, I'm about to turn 20 years old. And I had this idea of starting in a podcast around when I was 14. I was supposed to start it during COVID when I was around 16, 17. But that didn't happen. And where I'm at right now is where I need to be, and I know that. And I fall time and time again, and I know I'm not proud of it, and I'm pretty harsh on myself about it. But in my most recent confession that I went to, the priest reminded me that with our suffering, that with our sins, we are to treat ourselves with love and with patience and with compassion. And that the voices of shame don't come from God the voices that tell you that you're tainted goods, the voice that tells you that you're not good enough, that you're not worthy enough, that nothing you could ever do could win him over for you is enough. And you look at that, it's half true. Nothing we could ever do would be enough for God. He's God. But the part that's left out is that you didn't have to do anything in the first place. The part that's left out is that he still died for you anyways because you are worth it to him. And nothing you can do can take away that love that he has for you unless you choose to love something else. That doesn't mean that he takes his love away from you. Absolutely not we've gone over the story of the prodigal son we've gone over the story of st peter and paul we've gone over all of those things but the journey will come to a close and that's that's where i'm applying that of what you love when the journey comes to a close you know i i, I truly believe granted right I'm, I'm 20 years old you know i'm at the, U, the university of dallas which is like connected to a seminary, almost seminary school. Talked with countless of priests and you know, religious. And this is this is my own belief and formation on it. You don't have to take me for it. I don't expect you to. And if I'm wrong, I hope somebody will correct me on it. But I believe that what God judges us on at the end of our lives is two things. Basically, well, one thing, really, is did you love like Christ? Did you love Christ, and did you love like Christ? Which are pretty, like, pretty much, I don't want to use, like, technical wishy-washy terms. But they're very connected. Did you love like Christ? Goes outwardly to the people around you. And if you loved like Christ, then... Well, first of all, in order to know how to love like Christ, you have to love Christ, and Christ has to love you. You have to know how Christ loves you, and you have to know how Christ loves others. So if you know how Christ loves you, and how do you know that? Experience. And again, you can go into that whole content discussion of like empirical experience. But in the experience of your faith, when you know how Christ loves you, and when you see and you know how Christ love, uh, loves others, it enables you to be able to love like Christ. And so that question stands, will you die for me? When you go on your journey, that's the question that you keep in your mind and in your heart. And the crazy part, is because God says Christ says that there that everybody not just well I mean this is Christ because Christ is the word of God what does the word say let us make him in uh, let us make man him in our image and likeness that means there is God in every human being that you come across no matter how much evil that they've done that there is a piece of God in them and if you love Christ and you love like Christ, that no matter who you face, no matter who comes up against, who comes up beside, who comes up behind or in front, that when you look at them, that question is posed. Will you die for me? And I think that will perfectly conclude Oh, asterisk on perfect. But conclude our episode for today. And leave us with a good segue into tomorrow. Because tomorrow I talk about a specific movie that I saw pretty much today and discusses more on on what that 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 Hasatan in Hebrew or accuser. The accuser and what all of that, how that plays into the journey, how that's played into my journey, how I've seen it play in others' journey. And of course, with with all the blessings and, and everything that's been given to us, I just want to thank God for those who've made it this far to thank God for you and your family, wishing them a Merry Christmas for the next now 11 days. So with that... I love you. Everybody here at SLC loves you. And Merry Christmas today. Merry Christmas tomorrow. We'll see you then.